What's up, independent agents? Are you driving your clients off to the carrier self-servicing platforms after the sale just to minimize your service demand? Stop doing that with the premier mobile and web agency solution, Glovebox. Now you can keep your clients in front of your agency at all times, all while delivering the carrier self-service experience that will minimize your service costs and absolutely wow your customers. On top of that, Glovebox will help you increase your cross-sales, referrals, and overall retention with an easy-to-use policyholder interface. Trust me, guys, we're using this at Portal Insurance, and this is literally happening. We are selling policies and servicing policies through our app. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today, and be sure to mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your subscription for the life of your account. Guys, it's so cool that I can tell my clients, download the Portal app. Thanks, Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and every time I'm in Mobile, Alabama, I am my best self. I love it in Mobile, Alabama. Let me tell you what I don't like, Bradley. The 8,000 degrees. It's 8,000 degrees, I will, but I can deal with that. I grew up in the South, and we, we just all just kind of deal with it. Mm-hmm. These road closure situations I've got going awful. down here. It's awful. Guys, I'm I could literally jog to our podcast studio, but when you get in a car and you hit Waze or Google directions, uh it takes you about fifteen minutes to get a mile it's down. It's gotten better. But that it's that's impossible. Better. There's a there's one road that's closed that has added about I think eight minutes to my commute. And then recently they closed another road that's a road that I take, which added about another 10 minutes. So that one opened back up. Mm. It's gotten better, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But a lot of the the changes they are making, I think, are going to make the traffic flow a lot better, putting in a lot of roundabouts, stuff like mm. that. I noticed Mobile's big on the roundabouts now. We're big on the roundabouts, even though rednecks don't know how to drive around them. No. We're pretty big on the roundabouts. So. No, we don't. So when I was in London, when I was in the UK with security forces in the Marine Corps, uh, we lived in a little uh, sub subdivision or a little town outside of London uh, called Eastcote, which was about twenty miles outside and north uh, west of London, England, uh-huh. and we worked downtown at Seven North Audley Street, which is smack dab in the middle of downtown London. So we would have to drive our vans, each uh, section of Marines that was working in that building for you know up to three days at a time would have to drive down there. And the UK, buddy, you want to know where a roundabout came from? Mm-hmm. It came from the UK. That's all that is in the UK, are roundabouts. And so uh, I would be okay with every stop sign in America just being a yield sign. Yeah, right. I, I mean, that's how I drive them. But, right, right, right. But I right. think that yeah. I think it would be great if they were just all yield signs. I, I would agree with that. But uh, yeah, I got. I had never been a country boy from out Hamilton, Alabama, in the middle of nowhere. You, uh, you, I had never seen. I had never seen a roundabout, and I get over to the UK, and the first day I get there, you know, junior marine has to drive the van, right? Mm-hmm. So. 
I get, you know, get in and I start driving and I'm like, what the hell is a roundabout? I've no, I don't even know how to drive. I just drive in circles around this thing. What, what do I do? Yeah. Y'all are, y'all are chalk full of them over here. Guys, we have got a very special podcast for you today. We have a very special guest. I have lots of questions for him. Some are insurance related. Some are not insurance related, but I want to go ahead and give him the introduction that he has always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from Athens, Georgia, and he currently resides in Apex, North Carolina. He is a graduate of the University of Georgia. Go dogs! And he is the CEO of the Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina, where he works with the board of directors to help set the strategic direction and vision of the association. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Aubrey Knight. How are you, Aubrey? Man, I tell you what, that is a heck of an introduction. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I am I, I am living my best life. I'm a- actually in my Athens condo uh, today, so all, all is good. I'm, I'm sitting here kind of running through a list of my favorite restaurants where I'm going to grab some lunch later, so life is good here too, brother. Aubrey, I have questions. You have answers. Here is my first question off the topic of insurance, okay? I am considering, and I have not told Bradley this, he is going to fall in the floor and probably pass out, and I'll probably have to call an ambulance to come pick him up. I am considering registering for the December 11th Rocket City Marathon in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. So. Haven't fallen out yet. So, Ted. Answer me this question, Aubie. How much training, how many months? It's, it's We're in July right now, middle of July. How many months do I need to train to be ready to run my very first marathon? Are you, are you in decent 5K shape right now, 10K shape? Like, where are you today? I Because it's all, it's all about reverse engineering, right? I mean, you got to... If you're going to run a marathon on December the 13th, you got to know, okay, I got to be at a 20 mile distance by December the 6th, then you just kind of back it up from there. So, okay, if, so if you're probably hard pressed from a, if you're from a couch to 5k uh, shape right now to go from couch to marathon in five months would be pretty tough. But if you're in decent 5k or 10k shape, you can get there for sure. I feel like you're close to 5k shape. I, I'm in I, guys. This all goes back to self-awareness, right? I talk a lot on this podcast about self-awareness and knowing who you are and what you are. And so he asked the question. I'm going to answer the question. I could struggle through a 5K right now. It would be ugly. It would be get to the finish line, think I'm going to die kind of thing. So with that knowledge, do I have enough time to prepare for it if I could struggle through a 5K right now? Yeah, you've got enough time, but you're going to have to be disciplined. I mean, it, it, you, don't, you don't have any time to waste, and you're going to have to, you know, stick to the training plan for sure. I, I figured you were at least in 5K shape. You said with all the road closures, you could jog, jog to the office faster than you could, faster than you could drive. Right. So, uh, right. Okay. I figured you were in 5K. You can do it. So, 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 what you're telling me is, I can do it, but I got to start like today, training for it, like tomorrow. Yesterday, maybe. Yes. Yesterday. Okay. Okay. You got to start today. Okay. Well, the reason I ask Albie these questions is because one of his passions, one of the things he likes to do, 
He's done triathlons. He's done mar- a marathon. He's done some half marathons. What's the toughest one you've ever done when you finished? You're like, I will never do that again. Uh, probably a day at Disney World with my five-year-old <laughs> where she walked around where, 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 where I – where, where I carried her on my shoulders all day, and I, I looked at you know I looked at my Fitbit afters. I think I'd I think I'd walk 13 miles, and I think most of that was with the with the five year old on my shoulders. And I, I literally remember standing in the bus going back to the hotel, trying not to drop her, and and just trying to like, okay, you can do this, you know. You, so you, I'll be have you basic training. Have Have <laughs> you listened to any of our previous podcasts before? And you're not gonna hurt my feelings if yeah, you haven't. I, I, listen to a couple episodes I'm, I, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and lie and say i've listened to every single one but I've, I've listened to some episodes yes so so about six episodes ago bradley and i got into a pretty heated discussion about the fact that he loves disney world and i can't stand disney world even though he's never been to disney world well i've been to disney world i've just never done the whole <laughs> take my kid there and spend three days walking around like like you said 15 miles a day but that is comical yeah. that you would bring that up, that that was the worst experience of your life. Hey, was I did Disney this year. It was the hardest. Year. I've never hurt so much at the end of an event as I did that, as I did that day. Mm. I did and then, Disney and then of course, this year. You know, day two, we get to the park. We walk through the turnstiles, and the first thing she does is hold her arms up to me, like, right. like I'm going to pick her up again. I'm like, oh, no. It's stroller rental day. Right. <laughs> it's stroller rental day today. I did Disney last year in the middle of doing 75 hard. Wow, that was a mistake. How much money? Did, I mean, how much weight did you lose just while you were there? I have no idea. Okay, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just in sweat, right? Because and you don't want to eat because it costs like fifty bucks to stop at some restaurant in Disney and, and eat, there's like it? no fiber in the food. So right. you know what happens when that sure when you eat sure. food with no fiber. So <laughs> yeah, it's just not the beer is well, the good there, but playing. I didn't have any of that obviously. Right. So right. hey, Albie, let's talk about insurance for a little yes, while sir. today. Our mission on this podcast is to help insurance agents any way we can, and that's what we try to do in every episode. So tell me about what you're doing and what the association that you're a part of in North Carolina is doing to help insurance agents move the ball one step forward to greatness right now. Yeah, no, great great question, and certainly, um, you know, it's something that, I mean, that, that's what I breathe you know that, that's what I breathe every day, and um, and and so so does my team at IINC. We're we're problem solvers, and we're trying to be in the problem solving industry. And some of the some of the problems that independent insurance agency are facing right now are pretty monumental. Um, probably the thing right now, guys, that I'm most excited about. It's a brand new initiative that we just launched. It's called Insure Academy, um, and so we have launched this uh, vocational training program to attract people from outside the industry and give them uh, essentially what amounts to about 80 hours of training. It's the 40-hour pre-licensing course that's required in North Carolina to get your insurance license. And then it's 40 hours worth of soft skills. It's phone etiquette. It's email etiquette. It's understanding accord forms. It's going through a comparative rate or an agency management system. And, and really to produce uh, candidates out of this program that are, that are job ready. And we've only run a pilot class. We did a pilot class that just concluded last month. And it's just, it was incredibly successful. And we're so excited about this initiative. You know, we, we do an annual pain point survey where we survey our members and, and really just try to understand what's their biggest pain, what's the biggest problem that they are having right now or that they foresee their agency having over the next three years. And finding and hiring new talent is number one on that survey. It has been for five consecutive years. 
So we've done a ton in the way of, you know, hiring and staffing solutions. But, but this initiative of Insure Academy of actually bringing new blood into the industry and, and getting them to a job ready point and making them um, available to be hired by our members is something I'm incredibly excited about. We, we had 100 percent of, of the candidates that came through the school and passed the state's exam. You know, we had 100 percent of them placed with member agencies within 30 days and extremely, extremely rewarding because, you know, we're, we're getting emails from the candidates, you know, that are like, hey, you, you guys have changed my life. I went from having a job to having a career. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And then we're getting emails from the owners of the agencies that have hired these people. And they're like, this person's working out great. Thank you guys so much. So really, um, truly kind of a win-win situation that, that we're, we're looking to you know, expand and beef up. Uh, our next class starts at the, uh, at the end of August. And you know, we're making a lot of revisions, too. I, I could talk about this topic alone for, for hours. I'm so excited about it. So, so is this something you guys cooked up on your own? Was this, was this a, an independent insurance agent, so North Carolina baby? Yes. Yeah, it was. You know, we had a strategic planning session about 16 months ago and said, this is, you know, this is where we need, this is the problem we need to try to solve. And, and so my board of directors kind of authorized uh, us to proceed this. They kind of approved that plan uh, about one year ago. And, and so we've, we've got this up and running, you know, inside of, inside of 12 months and, you know, real, super pleased with the early results and very optimistic about where this may lead. And see, the thing I love about it, so I'm on the board for local chamber of commerce, which I know is apples and oranges, but there are definitely going to be some similarities and our biggest focus, the thing we talk about the most, is how do we provide value to our members above and beyond the membership dollars they are paying us, which it in turn is going to lead to more memberships and more people joining and that sort of thing. And I feel like that's exactly what you guys are doing with this program um, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I wish Alabama had this because if I, I am a member of the State Association of Alabama, a newer member, but if I wasn't, I would join tomorrow regardless of anything else just to get access to something like this. And it's the same, the same goes for clusters and aggregators. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, clusters and aggregators, not that you guys are, I'm not saying that, need to provide more value. And I think the ones that are going to win long term and any organization that agents, have to be a part of are going to win long term by providing some sort of value around education in some facet and it's just it's so unique and i think it's definitely something that we're going to see spread like wildfire among other associations yeah i hope so go ahead next week i'm presenting this concept to my counterparts at a conference that we'll all be at and then in september uh, my ed director is um, presenting this to all the education directors from across the country. And, you know, it, so so we're we're definitely interested. I, I don't really it's it's kind of funny because we're, we're doing this with zero revenue. Right. We're not charging the students to come through the program. We're not charging the agency owners that are hiring. I mean, we're simply right now looking to prove the concept. And, and really what we hope is we hope that after doing this, for at least, you know, for a year, we'll have enough data to where we can look and say, um, hey, if you come through this program, we've got 96% job placement at an average starting salary of $42,600, right? And if we can tell that story, that's going to attract more students and, and potentially even students that might be willing to pay a fee as though they were going to 
truck driving school or bartending school or whatever, right? Another type of vocational school. And, and then we certainly hope that time, time tells the story that the agency owners are super satisfied with the quality of the employee that they're hiring from this program, because then there's a possibility of monetizing it on that end too, because this is, I mean, this is an expensive proposition that our board has dedicated the resources for us to, to run. Not every organization is going to have that same commitment to run a program that where there's no revenue coming in, right? Yeah. It's just expense, expense, expense. Well, not only that, but being able to, you know, by, by touching base with your members that have taken advantage of this program, I would love to know the data a year from now on the amount of, let's say that you put a, someone that's a producer through this course, the amount of premium they've attributed compared to other new hires that did not go through the program. Yeah, and right now, just to be you know, just to be clear too, we're we're looking. This is this is for account managers, right? And we are training account managers because that's where we. Yeah, everybody has the the struggle with bringing in new producers too. There are a lot of potential solutions for that out there. I mean, there are a lot of insurance companies and others have pretty high quality producer training programs. But right now, we are focused on on the account manager. Gotcha. Hey, Albie, I have great news for you. Well, all great, right, share it. Great, new, great news for our listeners. We have a tremendous amount of association leadership that listens to this podcast. And I hope and pray that they will listen to this particular podcast. And by doing so, they gain some interest in what you're doing over there. But what I would like to know so that we make sure nobody takes this concept and bastardizes it. <laughs> is the I, I agree with you on the account manager training. It's got to be at least two weeks. You can't train somebody in three days. It's got to be at least 80 hours, okay? I, I want to know specifics, though, of is this something that you guys are doing in person or is all of this training done over Zoom? How, how is the training conducted? Is it live instructors or is it more of watch this video? Yeah. How, how does all that work? Yeah, so great, great questions. The pilot program consisted of um, 80 hours of live training via Zoom. So it was virtual but live, and, and you had to be there. We, we also have um, partnerships with some, some, some web-based training. So in addition to the 80 hours of instructor-led virtual training, there are also some homework assignments that are kind of on-demand through partnerships that we have. With, with some uh, you know education providers. And Scott, in the future, where, where, where we plan for this to go into the future is really delivery of the content in any way that is best suited for the learner. So maybe it's live and it's virtual. Maybe it's virtual and on demand for those people that have jobs and, and can't say, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next four weeks to being in a training program from eight to noon. Um, so, and then we we're, we've also think we're, we're building relationships with a lot of uh, local high schools right now, the DECA club and the, and the guidance counselors. We know intuitively that every single guidance counselor in a high school right now knows of some bright, hardworking kid who, who does not have college in their future. And, and if we could um, start grabbing hold to some of those young people, uh, they, they may want traditional training. So uh, I'm, I'm talking face-to-face classroom training. So our, our vision is that, that we, we will probably have a blended approach that incorporates live and virtual in-person classroom training and then also on-demand training. 
I've got an idea for you, and you may have already done this. So if you have, kudos to you. I was sitting here thinking. This about, is so new, man. That we are we are welcome. We welcome all ideas because well, it's brand new, and we're super nimble right now. Well, here's my idea. You put the account manager training. Do it. Exa- do exactly what you're doing right now, but. As you get towards the end of the training, maybe, I don't know, middle of the second week, you could also branch off, and and I don't know how you would do this, except if, if it was an existing agent that maybe had someone that they wanted to hire as an account manager, they're going to probably know whether that account manager is going to be a personal lines account manager or a commercial account manager. Now, those are two different things. We're talking apples and bananas right there. Now, a lot of people like to cross-train, and that's great, and you could do that later on. But let's say Scott hires this person, and I want him to go through the big eye of Alabama's account manager training program, and and I specifically in my mind have them kind of set for more of a commercial account manager. You could incorporate some training on some things related to commercial account management, like filling out accord forms or, you know, j- just that type of stuff. Uh, more focus on uh, certificates of insurance, what's an additional insured, more so. And then on the personal line training, you could do more of the you know, mortgagee clauses, which you do that on commercial too, but more of that personal lines. You see where I'm going with this? Where towards the end of the training, yeah, you 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 could you could branch those two out. Yeah. So so our 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 thought right now is, and, and because there, there's another distinction here as well, and that is we're we're not designing this program for people that have already been hired by agencies. Now, what we have found is. Agencies that have, that have a brand new hire, they want to send them through the program Correct. and that's fine, but that's not how we're designing. That's not how we're designing program. This literally we're, we're, we're trying to figure out and, and we've got a pretty aggressive di- digital marketing campaign out right now. That's, that's targeting school teachers and it's targeting um, stay at home parents. I'll, I'll be uh, stay at home moms that are looking to reenter the workforce. And, and so we've got social media campaigns that are targeting that demographic right now. And we've, we've already got four school teachers signed up for our August uh, Insure Academy class. But so all, all of that is to say that we're providing the graduates of this class with a learning track. So once they get hired and once they're in an agency, we've, we've got all the commercial lines and personal lines, you know, the coverage training and, and the certificates of insurance and the mortgagee. We've got all of that. Right now, we're just trying to get them to where they can go to an agency, they understand some of the terminology, they understand how the they, they understand a bit of the lingo, and um, and then we'll be there for them throughout the rest of their career, whether that's to do the initial training and then you know ultimately the CISR, the CIC program, or or, or whatever you know moving moving forward. Well, kudos to you for being the a big part of coming up with this pilot program and as bradley said earlier i don't see any possible way that other associations across the u.s aren't going to sit up in their seat when you're standing up there in a week or two talking about this and not take you know lots of notes on what what we can do to to mimic this type of program because 
I think it's something that's been needed for a long time. And what you're addressing, there's a white space that's talked about all the time in the insurance industry, and it's like how to recruit new talent. How do we, how do we get – and there's a lot of people out there that would love to have something like this that they could go to, to an mm-hmm. association like yours and say, hey, man, we, you know, we need a new account manager. We need, a, we need somebody – I, I, the, I, the only other thing I can think of is, you know, depending on what, like the state of Alabama's association is in Birmingham. That's where the headquarters is at. So it's probably going to be a lot easier for them to attract talent for live classes where they actually drive to the association building for classes if you live in Birmingham. But if you live in Athens, Alabama, or Sarah Land, Alabama, you're probably going to be more likely to take the online Zoom yeah. classes. It's very important the to me the way you guys have rolled this out in that you're not worried about monetizing it right now. You're worried about getting it launched and providing that value. We'll worry about monetizing it later where someone will bastardize this, right? to use your term, will be approaching it from the angle of, all right, how can we make money on this first? And then we'll worry about everything else later. And I could see that going wrong in other associations and like, all right, let's, let's get $300 a month and let's put people in it. Well, nobody signs up. Right. You agree with that? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, cause right now we don't have a, you know, like we don't have a story to tell. Like, and like the, the students that came through this pilot program, we, we thought we could get them jobs. But we didn't know, you know, I mean, until the rubber hits the road and you have member agencies out there offering competitive jobs, you know, th- those students kind of took a leap of faith that, that we were going to be able to deliver. And our members have kind of taken a leap of faith that, that we're going to be able to find people that are currently, you know, making sandwiches at the sandwich shop or working retail at your at the, at the big box store. And that we're going to be able to, to identify them and bring them in. That's going to be the challenge. Right. I mean, and we're still definitely in proof of concept mode here because we've got to be able to find the people that, if I can bore you guys with a little bit of the numbers. So we were finding these students primarily, uh, 97% of the people that expressed interest in this program were coming through a job board. So we have a partnership with Career Plug. So we had ads on all the job boards, Indeed and, and, and everywhere else. So these were people that were looking for a job, and instead of a job, they found a, a vocational training opportunity at no cost. We had we had 670 people express interest in, a, in attending Insure Academy, but then we put them through um, we put them through an aptitude test to make sure they have the at least verbal and, and math skills in order to pass the state's exam. And and that's not you know that's not us. They but they they got to have the the the, app, the mental aptitude to be able to pass the state's exam. That weeded out an unbelievable number of, of the people that couldn't score 60 on the math and the verbal. And then we want to make sure that they have a personality that seems to be at least a 75% match for the standard personality type needed by an account manager. So you start off with this huge number of 670 people that express interest, and we get down to where we offer 45 people a scholarship to the program. And then 45 people that we offer the scholarship to, 32 said, yeah, I'm in. And then we start we start day one of class and 22 show up. So wow. we, sounds, we're going to have to like get really everybody smart. everybody hired and, people ever. <laughs> That's about how it goes. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're going to have to get really smart and creative, and hopefully we can identify, right, 
who is going to make the really good student and be able to get through, you know, score, they score on the math and verbal, they have the right personality, and then they're committed to actually finishing the program and, you know, making themselves available to hire. So let me ask you this question. Insurance agents from around the world that are listening to this, I know a lot of us that are members of an association or multiple associations, I think there's a lack of understanding by us as insurance agents because, let's face it, we are running around every day with our hair on fire. We're trying to sell insurance. We're trying to manage an agency. A lot of us are playing human resource manager. We're playing CEO, president. Hell, a lot of people listening to this right now are still selling insurance every day. I played IT guy this I, week. I saw that picture. Bradley's up there trying to fix his damn ser- as a server. Is that what it was? I don't know what it was. I was just doing what the fiber company told me to. <laughs> He's on top of a, a fold-out table with a cooler on top of that, like a Yeti cooler, and he's standing on that trying to fix his uh, internet situation. I actually won the Yeti cooler at the state of Alabama's association convention. Go. One of my carriers gave it away, and you won that. I would like to wow. thank all the contestants who will now and forever be known as the people that lost to Bradley Flowers when it came to the Yeti Cooler. But <laughs> uh, yes, I did win the Yeti Cooler, and it happened to come in that day. Otherwise, I would not have been able to fix my internet. Anyway, so Abby, I need your help explaining to all of these agents what different things do associations like yours offer to them that they may not even know is available to them. If that makes sense, because I, for one, am a member of the big eye here in, in Alabama, and I don't know that I've ever really participated in anything enough to really understand what they offer to me. Other than I do know that there is a legislative arm of the big eye that's doing a lot of things behind the scenes to make sure that insurance agents are spoken for in Washington in terms of and in Alabama and just like in North Carolina to make sure that we're being treated fairly I understand that but what other things can these agents get out of their association that maybe they're not aware of right now you know um, historically a lot of associations and I think big eye big eye associations fall into this for sure I mean historically it's always been about the, the legislative advocacy piece, and it's always been about some type of collective or group purchasing arrangement, right? Hey, we can we can try to get you fill in the blank, and perhaps a bit cheaper than you can get it on the street. So whether it's whether it's you know insurance or office, whatever, right? And um and and now I I, I think I mean I'm I'm certainly a, a huge believer in what you guys were talking about earlier, and that is where where are you bringing the ROI? I mean, how, how, you know, when, when Bradley was talking about his experience with the Chamber of Commerce and saying, hey, you know what, we've got to be able to offer things that, that are going to be more than the value of, of, the, of the membership dues. And North, North Carolina, we have the highest minimum dues of, of a big eye association in the country. And, I, and, and I'm a staunch advocate that we would be a bargain at twice the price. Right. I mean, we're, we, we, we don't mind. Um, we don't mind talking about our, our ROI and what our value proposition is. Um, and we do a tremendous amount for our member agents and have so many resources available um, as, as far as 
specifically, it, but it's funny. Nobody knows or cares what we do until they need it. You know, I mean, so, so Scott, you're not alone. Nobody knows what it is that we do until they have a problem and they need that problem solved. And then hopefully we have a solution that can solve the problem. Um, we can send out, you know, emails and newsletters and text messages and whatever. But unless, unless you are having a hiring crunch, you're probably not even paying attention to what we're doing from a staffing solution standpoint right now and, and Ensure Academy. It's only when that problem is your most pressing problem and it's risen to the hottest pot on the stove that then you start paying attention. Well, it's like buying so, insurance. Um, it's like selling insurance. Exactly. Like, I was about to say the same thing. You know, yeah. as long as you make sure that your target prospect knows that you're the guy or the gal, mm-hmm. they'll reach out when they yep. need it. Right, right. Or if you can yeah, create no, exactly that problem right. and create that need, then obviously right. you can go about it that way. Which is what he's doing with his pilot program. Yeah. Because he's doing something that as an agent – if I knew about that in Alabama, let's say Alabama was doing it, hopefully one day they will, I could see that being something that I would proactively keep keeping mm-hmm. keep on track with. And hey, do mm-hmm. you have any do you have any uh students from up in the north Alabama area where I'm at mm-hmm. that, that we might could hire? I could see that being something I would keep up with. Yeah. I'll be I've got a big question. What do you see as the role of associations moving forward and what do you think associations need to do to hold their place in as it relates to the insurance industry and thrive it's a great question and it's and it's complicated it's not an easy answer there's this whole notion now that you know people seemingly don't feel compelled to join organizations just because of the good that it brings the industry or society and and in a lot of associations um, that that's that's how they've survived and thrived for a lot of years. And I'm not talking about a big eye association. I'm talking about associations yeah. in general, right? It's it's the whole Teddy Teddy Roosevelt has a quote, and I'll 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 bastardize this quote, but it's something like you know every man owes a, a bit of his time and a bit of his money to support the industry in which he in which he makes a living, mm. right? And and but the Teddy Roosevelts, that man, that's a that's several generations ago. Right. And, and I don't know that today's generation feels that same way that, oh, you know what? I just owe it to the insurance industry to belong to this association. I, I believe that um, there are some people out there, but I think if, if those are the insurance agents that you're successful in getting to belong to your association, you're going to be a really small, weak association. Um, if, if you're going to produce an ROI, and talk about solving real problems that insurance agents are having, and solving real, real, and provi- by providing real solutions, and hopefully being on the cutting edge. I mean, I, I, I see the biggest thing that we can do is be a thought leader within the industry. I mean, I, our, our agents. I mean, every conference that we put on. I mean, I try to have the thought leaders in this industry there to to tell them about the cutting edge things that they can be doing to increase efficiency within their agencies and enhance the customer experience, right? I mean, if you can increase efficiency, enhance the customer experience, where do you find the next generation of insurance consumer? How do you go about doing that? I mean, and, and really, and, and you, if you guys have been to association events and you know people that are, that are active in associations, it, there's still a big relationship component, this, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I have so many of my member agents that they, they talk about the friendships that they've made, the business relationships that they've made that um, probably would not have happened had it not been for 
going down to Destin and and spending a week and watching your kids in the hula hoop contest and you know the the friendships and the relationships that you make so that now when you've got a problem you know that you can pick up the phone and call someone who who's probably got a solution or has been through that same thing that you that you're going through now. So. I wonder sometimes we are the Fox News and the CNN of the insurance industry here. We have the the ear of a lot of independent and captive agents all over the United States. And one of the conversations I got into up in Boston about a month or I guess it's been longer than that now, three months ago, two or three months ago, was how can associations incorporate podcasting? Because it's so easy. You know, what what is easy for an insurance agent is a lot of them may have windshield time between their house and their office to jump on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, whatever, and listen to Scott and Bradley or David Carruthers or Ryan Hanley. I, I truly believe, and I'm just putting a bug in your ear here, and I don't know how this would work, I do believe that the value that we ha- that we have is we do have the ear of so many different insurance agents listening to these podcasts. Those are times when insurance agents have a little bit of time to listen to something industry related to me there's a lot more value in that than the 15 emails i get a week not that many couple of emails i get a week from the big eye that i maybe glance at for just a second and then delete my email box you know that kind of thing i don't know where that goes but i do think there's something there another question i had and this is a this is a maybe a little sensitive but is there room in the insurance industry to have two associations with what is it the PIA and the big I is there room for both or eventually does one have to kind of merge with the other to create one large association because I have the sneaky suspicion that if an insurance agent's a member of one he's probably not a member of the other does that make sense yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly uh, a big proponent of um, consolidating organizations and and being able to dedicate resources. Because you know what, what you end up doing is you end up duplicating a lot of services, which is just a waste of resources and, and fragment um, and, and fragmenting. You're fragmenting there as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm I'm a I'm a big proponent of um, looking at, at consolidating where where possible. You know, it's tough. I mean, it, 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 it's just it's so political and ego driven. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's just super, super hard to actually make make a reality. And it's mostly just because of, of egos. Frankly, right. Right. Uh, that where, where that hasn't happened. I mean, you know, in a lot of in a lot of states that's happened at the state level um, in probably a majority of states, the organizations have merged. But it's not going to happen at the national. I mean, I've. I've been doing this guys for 20, this is my 25th year with the association. You know, I, I've thought that was going to happen a long, long time ago. <laughs> it just never has. So, so tell, tell the agents out there listening right now, besides the pilot program you're doing, what are some other areas that you mentioned earlier? You said, you know, insurance agents don't really think about calling on us till they need us till there is a problem. till they have a question that maybe they feel like, their state association can help them out with what what are some of those that you typically see you run across uh, yes, on a day-to-day uh, basis yeah agency valuations uh helping with perpetuation planning producer compensation issues general workflows 
um, uh, implementing technology, cybersecurity, you know, cybersecurity, whether that's um, written information, you know, the written, uh, the WIST, written, written in information security plan. I mean, we're, we're, we're helping agents with all of those things. And we're doing a lot right now with engage, employee engagement and employee onboarding. So one, I'll tell you a real quick story. We had one member agent that interviewed two of our graduates from Insure Academy and offered both of them jobs and went over two. The, 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 so we're, so kind of what um, Scott, what you were talking about in the Birmingham area, when we had, we had some graduates of the program that were in rural Eastern North Carolina and man, we were, we were just happy to get them an interview, right. With, with an agent and get them a job. Our, our, our graduates that were in the triangle area, the, the Raleigh Durham area. Oh my gosh. They all had multiple interviews and multiple job offers. Um, and we had one member agent that went over two and offered two of our graduates and didn't get, um, didn't, neither offer got accepted. So, you know, we're doing some consulting work with that member agency right now on, you know, what's, how are they presenting themselves? What's their culture like? Is their compensation um, package competitive? And where do they need to be better positioned in the marketplace to be a competitive employer? Right. You know, it's kind of the age old. It's kind of the age old thing, right? We all we all want to get top notch employees, but we want to get that by being an average employer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and generally speaking, you know that doesn't that doesn't mesh, right? If you want top notch employees, you need to be a top notch employer. And and so we work with some member agencies on on that that sort of thing as well. That's amazing. I think I think one one thing that stands out to me about you that I really like is you seem to be very innovative. You seem to be the kind of guy, and you said it when we got on this podcast today, how can we get this ROI for our agency force that's a member of the North Carolina Association? You seem to be very innovative. I don't know because I haven't, I'm not involved with any other state associations other than Alabama's, uh, and I'm really not that involved with that association. Uh, how innovative those lead, the leadership is in those states and – coming up with these new ideas like like this pilot program the insurance academy that you guys are doing i don't know how innovative they are i don't know if it's just kind of status quo and we've always done it this way and let's meet down at the beach and all play golf together or or whether it's more you know really getting in a boardroom with a whiteboard and and knocking out some new ideas of ways we can we can be better you know i don't i don't know i don't know the answer to that yeah, I tell you, I, I left the Georgia Association seven years ago and was kind of recruited away to, to lead the North Carolina Association. And mm-hmm. in my mind, I could not ever have imagined it going so well because it's really been the board has been so supportive, and 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 really it, it it has to come from you know from the board. I mean, I can have all the great ideas in the world, but if if the board doesn't allocate the resources and say yes, go do that, then and then I've got an incredible staff mm-hmm. because I tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you. I, I'm I'm full of great ideas, but if it was left up to me to for the implementation, you know, you'd be sitting around with nine projects that were half-assed done, <laughs> you know. Right. And and so so I so I've got a great team um, that you know I can I can get the ex- people excited about an idea and introduce the idea, and I can get the board to support it, and then I can get the team down the path, and then I step away, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and I've got a team that that finishes things up, so I'm super pleased with with where we are in in, in all of that and not, and not everybody has that right i mean not every association yeah. is going to get the same support of innovative ideas i mean as as a volunteer leader 
um, and, and what I'm doing, I'm talking about board members right now. The safest thing in the world to do is to do what you've always done. Right. Nobody's right. ever going to get mad. And it's not going to be seen as a mistake, mm. right? And the, the the riskiest thing in the world to do is, oh, my gosh, here's this new idea. We've never tried it before. Do we really want to allocate $100,000 out of our reserve fund? And what if it goes wrong? And what if I'm the guy whose legacy becomes he supported that dumbass idea that lost $100,000 out of our reserve fund? And nobody wants to be that guy. And so you see stagnation at epic levels across associations, generally speaking. Hey, do you do you guys welcome ideas from agents? I, I'm sure occasionally you have agents call you and they're like, hey, man, I just thought of something when I was in the shower this morning and I just wanted to run it past you. Does that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we'll listen to anyone right now. We're pretty focused on our strategic initiatives right now. I mean, our strategic initiatives are hiring solutions and, and technology, right? right? So, I mean, we're, we're, we're laser beam. We are laser focused on helping members become better employees, hiring, retaining, engaging, onboarding. And then we're laser focused on um, identifying the right tech stack, the, the right vendors and implementing technology and the, the cybersecurity. So, if you've got an idea for me that helps us move the ball in those areas, I'm going to be much more willing. I mean, I'm going to listen to you anyway, but those are ideas that I'm like, I'm looking for, right? Because right. I, I don't claim to have all the answers. I want ideas in those areas. If you got an idea to, to talk to me about, I don't know how we can do a better job with our young agents golf tournament or whatever, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to you, but. It needs to I, be a shamble, that's not, not a scramble. Top, that's not the top of my radar. Hey, Albie, I was thinking about yeah. you in the shower this morning. Kidding. Yeah. Hey, Albie, I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to Bradley. And uh, I cannot wait to one day meet you face-to-face and break bread with you. You're a guy that I would enjoy sitting down and having a, a conversation with. I, I really would. And I hope that that happens sooner hey, rather well, let, than later. Hey, well, let's do that. I'm at- I'm actually going to throw out some dates here. September 16th and 17th. Okay. We're, we're having our Insure Expo. It's one of, easily one of the largest insurance conferences in the Southeast. It's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, you, you guys are both invited to be there as, as my guests. I would love to have you. Uh, Seth Zaremba is going to be there. Chris Paradiso is going to be there. Jeff Roy is going to be there. Um, you know, name, name dropping a bunch of guys that, that you all know. You're bringing in some heavy um, hitters. And, and You're bringing in some heavy hitters to that. And then we got some, you know, we got some rock stars in North Carolina too. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have gotten to know Jack Wingate, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Christopher Cook. We got some, we got some great Jared guys. Bellman. And this is, this is really, really, it is, it is the coolest, um, insurance conference you'll ever go to is the Insure Expo. And it's in Winston-Salem. We got lots of great bars and breweries and it's going to be fantastic. That sounds fantastic. Well, guys, as I always close every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Stop shuffling paperwork around your desk and looking at TPS reports and go out into the big bad world. Build relationships. Figure out what your why is. Remember what I said last week, growth equals happiness. You got to grow mentally. You got to grow spiritually. You got to grow physically. If you want to be happy, that is the path to get there. So go out today, make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there. Write good business for the agencies that you represent. 
and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Albie. Albie, we love you too, brother. My pleasure, guys. That was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Anytime. It was, it was great to meet a Georgia fan whose name was Albie. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love each and every one of you. We thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we look forward to seeing you back here next week for the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.